I'm Babe Cross. It's my pleasure to introduce you to the Photoshop Creativity Virtual Summit. This amazing online event will run April 17th through 20th, and it is free to attend. Now, you may have seen in the past, we've done four Photoshop Virtual Summits and two Lightroom Virtual Summits. This one will follow a very similar structure, but the content is all new and quite different because we're gonna focus just on the creative side of Photoshop. Our classes are gonna be taught by a combination of some of our favorite Photoshop instructors from past summits and some of the most creative minds on the planet who also happen to be very good at sharing their techniques. So here's just a few of the amazing artists and educators that we have for you during this virtual summit. Brooke Shaden, Bert Monroy, Anya Auntie, Corey Barker, Glenn Dewis, Joel Robison, Karen Alsop, Kirk Nelson, Lisa Carney, Richard Sturtevend, Sebastian Michaels, Vanessa Rivera, many, many more. It's an amazing group of educators and artists, and I just can't wait for you to see the amazing classes they're putting together. And the best part of all is the summit is free to attend. That's right, you can sign up for a free pass that gives you access to watch all the classes at no cost for a 48 hour period. And how it works is like this, on each day, a whole bunch of classes are released. You have 48 hours to watch those classes. And at that time, they are archived into our VIP member area where VIP members have lifetime access to watch those classes as well as other benefits such as class notes, audio only recordings, and bonuses provided by the instructors such as additional videos, PDFs, downloadable textures, things of that nature. So if you wanna become more creative with your Photoshop imagery, if you wanna sell your work, if you dream of becoming a fine artist or of creating conceptual art, this event is for you. If you wish to sign up for the free pass, again, I encourage you to do that right away and also take a look at the VIP pass. But one way or another, I hope we'll see you at the Photoshop Creativity Virtual Summit, April 17th through 20th. You're listening to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography, design, creativity, and more, with your hosts, Dave Clayton and Alan Hess. Hello and welcome to a new episode of He Shoots, He Draws, the first of 2023. We've been away for a little while, um, but trying to get back on track. And I'm starting this year with an interview with a guy who have actually... We tend to only meet at Adobe events and through a mutual friend, Tony Harmer. But um, I do actually own two of his books right here. It's got to get the third one yet. Um, but it's Radim Malinich. Very pleased to have you on, mate. Um, have you had a good Christmas, good New Year? Let's start off with, let's start off with the usual question. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can't say Happy New Year because it's been past the 7th of January. So I know. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the Larry David meme tells me that it's it's not allowed to be saying Happy New Year because it's just a few days past the 7th. But yeah, no, it's 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 been it's been a, it's been a good Christmas. Yeah, um, I've got two young children, and they schools break out early, early. So you like you've got three weeks of Christmas and. This was the first Christmas that I've done, not even Christmas, December. I did very little work, uh, very little client work. I was going to as little as possible I could do, but I've been torturing myself in self-inflicted self torture because I'm finalizing the manuscript for not just one, but two of my new books. Oh. And yeah, you don't really get to do much when you've got two young children and there's Christmas and there's, you know, farm visits and jumping centers and all of that stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, um, um, yeah, it was it was a good it was good Christmas and um, what I've done I sort of I've, I've I've divided the mental space because 
you can't achieve, you know, you kind of want to give yourself a space, the right space and the right headspace for work. So, um, yeah, it was the possibly what I would say the most, I would say not laziest, but like the least productive uh, um, December's I've ever had. So that's not, that's not a bad thing. I think um, the trouble is, is, I mean, one of, one of my sort of pet peeves of, of looking at people on social media is this hot, like this need to let everybody know, that you're on 24 seven and you're like, everything has to be shared. And there's a lot to be said for, you know, it's great being busy, but it's a lot to be said for not being busy, but not in a big, just cause I'm not busy. I'm doing nothing. It's just sometimes to step away, just get on with things. You don't need to report in, you know, on social media. And I, and I know we were talking off air. You've, you've been fairly quiet as well, but not because you've had nothing happening it's more the opposite you've had so much going on i mean yeah i mean I, I, it was the opposite of quiet i've been i've been working on what i'm going to be doing this year i've been working on that in the background alongside my studio for the last 9 10 months maybe a year um yeah i'm i'm producing something which i feel like i'm at a crossroads of my career where I'm I'm reestablishing what what I want to do next because I, I've been kind of building my studio for twenty years, built it to the point where I had employees, you know, PAYEs. It has been has been great, but it's it's got a question of what do I want to do for myself because I've I've, I've built it from my freelance career, and as you know, if you work for yourself, you take a twist and turns that suits you, and as soon as you start paying people's pensions and start sort of having Zoom calls with corporate clients, that freedom seems to sort of dissipate. And of course, I had to remind myself every step of the way that I have to remember when I wanted what I have today. Like this is, I mean, this is ultimately the journey that I wanted to take. I wanted to embark. This is the destination I wanted to arrive in. And yeah, I, I think the best beauty of, of having a creative career, that's a shapeshifter. You can change your career depending on where you want to go next and it's been it's been interesting it's been interesting change because i feel like i've been on a i've started my publishing career seven years ago and it's for the first four years i, I don't think i've given myself a day off you know i was you know meeting people like yourself and and sort of promoting the book doing talks flying around the world pushing it on myself like driving like this was the thing i was doing next and I've diverted my attention to the studio business. And this is, as I told you in the pre-recording, like COVID was kind to my business, my publishing business, as well as my creative business. But, you know, that you can only focus on one thing at a time. Yeah. And I've kind of, I've kind of taken, taken a step back from social media because it doesn't earn me. Like a social media doesn't bring me work. Like it's, it's the meaningful connections I've been making for the last nearly 20 years those were the ones Amen. that did the work yeah it's meaningful connections you know that, and also it. and also it was quite quite actually quite helpful just as one point quite helpful to publish book on branding for startups just before covid which i didn't know the covid was going to happen so that book has earned us incredibly because everyone got laid off and bought a book on branding and startups absolutely yeah i mean that was um that was the thing, the conversation I've had with a lot of people was where how COVID affected them. And, you know, a couple of people, I, I mean, even, you know, we can't, like we said off air, you kind of feel apologetic or you don't want to say that 
well, we won't say COVID was good for you. The, the period in which we went through the pandemic, um, you know, was a struggle for a lot of people, but it didn't need to be a struggle for everyone. You know, it was okay for people to, to do okay. A lot of businesses sprouted up. There's a lot more, um, I think, probably more self-employed people out of necessity that are doing really well for themselves. Um, and it's how you adapt as well. It's you can either sit there and feel sorry for yourself or you can look at your business and go, well, how can we help people? How can we, you know, keep going? What can I do? I mean, I'm, you know, I now can't go to an office. I've got to work from home. How do I adapt to that? And can I learn anything from that that I can pass on? So I think, I think it's been a, bit, a big learning curve for a lot of people and how we work and where we work. Definitely. Yeah, I think on the way of how we work, I mean, I say COVID was great. I mean, I, I had to go into therapy mid, mid COVID. I mean, I, I was I had existential crisis. I had newborn son, you know, a, a three-year-old daughter. Like, I mean, I was a mess, but the business yeah. was going well. But yeah, business is great. <laughs> yeah, I was all over the place, and therapy was something that I've been I've been in therapy for more than ten years now, on and off, and and it's something that's not an ongoing experiment it's something like going to an mot you know like you you want to make sure that you're in the right headspace and having been mostly building this on my own as a business and running a business and that kind of stuff you spot patterns that you know you can fix and others can tell you that you know you're stressed or you overworked because as you know um as creatives you're never finished you can, no. you can, you can, it's like, it's like a never ending buffet of amazing. You know, you can just you finish <laughs> your play, you go for more, you go for more. It's like, dude, if it's seven plates, it's midnight, go to bed. No, 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 no. Like we, we keep going till four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. It's funny. So you, it's, you, sorry, it, just to interrupt, because I wanted to pick up on something you just said there ooh. that is really interesting for a lot of people is I had a conversation once about like cars mm. and, and it was funny that you said MOT because they said, you know, we, we go and, we buy a car we get insurance on it we we take it for an mot we take it for a service we we look after our car better than we look after ourselves. and therapy for english people is such a you know it's an american thing it's considered an american thing and english people don't do it and i think from a creative point of view mental health and everything re we really should we really should do therapy we really should speak to other people and get our head back into place mm -hmm. because it's so easy to spiral downwards with your own doubts and fears and, you know, and, and then a life going on around it that, like you said, you can, you can have a, a crisis of confidence. Oh, and totally. And I mean, I've, I've, I've gone through a number of burnouts. I mean, I, I built initially my business around, you know, working freelance at, at in the middle of the night, like I, I would finish my day job and Sorry, my email keeps popping in my ear. <laughs> it's a bit it. Um, so yeah, I mean, working as much as I can. I mean, I, I mean, this is this is that sort of mid twenties enthusiasm. You know, you you you're bulletproof. You you're invincible. You can do everything all the time, and then you find out that you can't. And only when I really burn myself out, I realize how many pre previous burnouts I had. And it was thanks to my wife who said you know you need therapy because i was i was so broken i couldn't walk down the street i was literally wow. working from a small room i mean it was everything over caffeinated dehydrated no social connect like contact of course i thought i was chatting through to people through skype or all around the world but no the vitamin d yeah so through opening up and kind of admitting that it's okay to be not okay um 
I've, I've sort of rediscovered the world of mindfulness. Somehow I, I learned how to meditate when I was in my early teens, which was in sort of early 90s. And mindfulness and meditation kind of has played ever since quite an important part, especially from a philosophy point, perspective, like how to look after ourselves, because you do add the oil and you, know, you check the oil and, and the washer fluid and the tires and all of that stuff on your car. Whereas you wake up, you grind, you go to bed, you grind, you get drunk, and you do like we, we don't really look after our sort of minds that well. So that aspect has influenced how I've been writing um, in my little books and how I kind of go in in that journey forward because I'm a perfect example of thinking that we are creative, we are connected with the world, we are creative with the, you know, the, the, the creation and and how we put it into our work. But no, we are just the same as others. We are we might be sort of visually inclined and visually sort of, um, you know, uh, in, in, enthusiastic, but we, we break the same just like everybody else. And yeah, that doesn't make us... No. Actually, so, I, sorry, I was going to say, I think you just kind of answered it there. Was what was the trigger? Was it was it your wife noticing, or did you had you started to get your own red flags popping up? I, I think walking down the street and crying, I think is, is I think is right. quite sort of clear. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's she, she's genuinely like she's my wife's always always had horses, so I'm sort of based in Surrey, and she's she's an English girl. She's always had horses. She's got an amazing sixth sense. Um, so she was the one who, you know, I'm the one reading all the Simon Sinek books and and, and Ken yeah. Robinson stuff. And she's like, she never reads this kind of stuff, but she's got more than knowledge than she, you know, she can, she can help people with. And yeah, she she was the one say like, okay, you need to do something about it. Like you actually, you know, it, it's okay to admit, you know, okay, but you know, there needs to be a fix. And um yeah, uh, I remember. Like it, it was, it was, it was interesting. I went to cognitive behavioral therapy because I had anxieties. Like, no, they said when they say when you go and tell the therapist, like, I'm actually, I can't walk across the bridge, or I can't walk down the mm. street. She's like, okay, so first thing you do, you walk across the bridge. You're gonna do this, and you're like, f off. Like, <laughs> that's exactly what I don't want to do. Huh? And so they push you into the things that obviously you've been sort of staying away from, and. It's yeah, it's been it's been fantastic exercise because it, it has helped me to unlock quite a few things and, and give me a sort of a vision and and, and, I, and I felt like it's it's taken a best part of seven to eight years to actually get to the point where things were okay, like the continuous work because it took a long time to get broken and it took a long time to get fixed and you know in a normal situation you would not know that you know we have. Each of us have problems uh, unless we are open and talk about them. And, and absolutely, I mean, and yeah, I think the world is changing, and yeah, I think it's changing for better. Yeah, I think the good thing is, especially in the creative industry, because that's where we that's where we live. Um, the awareness of it and and seeing the signs um, of of these things kind of happen. It's good that I I, I like to think we've got our backs we've we've each got our own backs you know to help each other out that we're more helpful more collaborative trying to stop people like take it all on their own shoulders and i think it's a big shift when i think back to to the design industry five and ten years ago that now we are post-pandemic i like to think that we are a little bit more thoughtful and caring but it's also interesting to see you know you've done the therapy 
and you you're not that you you kind of go in and do oh I'll do three sessions and I'm fixed it's a continuous process but have you found like now you know you've you kind of you you understood it you you processed it you've been into therapy has that changed the way you work now well 100% yeah 100% i think what's interesting there i agree with you <clears throat> we we have got our own bags but ultimately, we are the horses in the same race. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you can consider that, and we can consider ourselves as competitors. And I somehow managed to do during the pandemic uh, a mindfulness journal called "Pause, Breathe, and Grow," which just exp- I mean explores the the topics of how to be okay, how to mm. be okay in ourselves and in our career, and kind of like because the first finding <clears throat> from the therapy was that the therapist asked me like, "So, what is your percentage of?" work rest and play and the work was like 96 percent the rest was like one percent and she was like okay well here's your problem like this is this is like you you don't have a a compartment i can't say like you must you haven't divided the um that's what i wanted to say yeah (laughs) um so that was the first first giveaway like then having an argument with my wife she's like what can you take a one day off I'm like, well, I go to meetings in central London. She's like, that's not, that's still work. Like, just just have a day off. And to me, in that broken state, it just felt like a totally like weird concept. Yeah. Like a day off. I mean, come on. Like, and I, I was, I mean, when you love what you do, and and when you sort of sort of, sort of intoxicated by what you do, it just it, you know, it's like it's like a bit of like a drunk, you know, you just you could keep going back for more because of the dopamine. Yeah. Um so um so from the therapist i kind of like it was the, it was the pause you know like you need to pause and actually take stock of what you're doing sometimes we don't even remember what we did a week ago or a month yeah. ago like if i if i haven't spent the last 10 years printing my work in and portfolio books be like i've got no idea what i did like it's it's somewhere on my hard drive the hard drive's unplugged and I'm like this is it and the tears and the, you know the the, the clients discussions obviously all, all forgotten so it was about pausing and then actually breathing and actually taking proactive action into feeling better and, and putting things in place that, you know, before you answer an email, before before you answer a phone call, like just 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 put that little headspace together and then looking into where do you go with it to grow? So I managed to do this in during the pandemic as a sort of mindfulness journal. And it was such a departure from going, look, I've got a book on ideas on creative, not on graphic design, all the way to where that book ended up and um it's kind of gone sort of i've, I've taken a, a few years to produce mostly to, to work on these two new books i'm holding up a copy of well a dummy copy of creativity yeah. for sale and mindful, mindful creative mindful creative and what i wanted to do um i wanted to create from from the findings that i have from my career so far a book about how to launch a creative business and a book that goes with it, which is How Not to Kill Yourself by Launching Your Creative Business. <laughs> Somebody said that should be the title, but I think that's... Yeah. <laughs> but It's like the warning it's... sticker on the back. It's like, like How Not to Kill Yourself. I mean, yeah, it says... Take this how tablet to... to get rid of your headache, but don't operate heavy machinery. Yeah, yeah. How Not to Navigate the Highs and... How to, not, not, how to Navigate the Highs and Lows of Creative Life, Career and Business. And it's... I'm producing these two books together at the same time because not only they go together... Yeah, as a sort of little box set, but it's the information that someone might argue, like, so we don't need another book on launching a creative business. 
Um, I mean, do, I mean, who, who, no one's asking about mindfulness book for creatives, but you open any social channel, you speak to anyone, you have a conversation in a pub, and it's the same conversation that you and I had just now. Like people are broken, people asking for help, people making the same same mistake ever again. You know, like and someone says like, oh, I really, I need an advice on how to do this particular business side of things. And you tell them or that you just give them advice and they're asking again because they don't always absorb it. And, exactly. And I listened to your guys' podcast with Chase, Chase Jarvis the other day. And it's there's this 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 thing. Like obviously, we, we tell ourselves who we are, like we give ourselves the label, okay. I'm a graphic designer and I'm gonna be doing graphic design. Obviously, if I told you I'm a graphic designer after five minutes of me telling myself I'm a graphic designer, if I anybody at work. We've been saying, oh, come on, get out of here. Like this is, you know, a graphic designer. But it's it's important to the mindset of because if I I mean I've done when I've done it in the past myself, if I told like I've told myself the label, <clears throat> I got commissions as a graphic designer because I told everyone and they needed eventually a graphic designer. However, you've got so many layers of business definition, who you are, promotion client acquisition client you know negotiations like it's all of that stuff it's endless because you can say okay well what is the work line okay i've got laptop photoshop client done mm. <laughs> <laughs> if it was this easy you can press p for poster and we are all you know, we are legends <laughs> yeah. but it doesn't work that way and i've i've been and even people who i've worked for or known for for years and they you know, we speak and they're like, oh, I've got this new inquiry. I need to price it up. I'm thinking, well, if you don't know after 10 years how to price up a job in a click of a, not in an instant, then you're doing something wrong because you have to create these frameworks and these, these, these methods that help you to actually concentrate on actually doing the work. Because as you know, creating the work is often the last thing that you do in a creative process is yeah. the admin is the finance is the you know it's the chasing of the invoices it's the promotion that take more time than creating the work itself yeah we are all very surprised that oh shit it's taken me three hours or five hours to do this and i've got one hour to do this piece of work well clearly there's automation there's other things you know like there's there's ways to help ourselves yet we are the creative people yet we may keep making the same and the same same mistake again and that's 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 part that's partially the reason why these books will exist because the the secrets are out there you know like the the, the clues are everywhere <laughs> and you speak to people who are considered less creative but they are far ahead in in the evolution of creativity because they see things differently they don't see things from personal expression they're like okay how can i automate the workflow how can i get an inquiry get it all sent into my like just you know how can i get automated invoices how do i and everything could be automated yeah and because that that gives you the space to actually think and be because we think that spending time on the little admin and finessing invoices and that kind of stuff or you know just posting on a social media, like people clowning on their little reels and pointing at things that appear <laughs> what is that about that. i mean what i mean what on earth is that about like i mean can you imagine yourself being a ceo it's like okay we need a designer ba, 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 ba. what are you doing what yeah. is that about but obviously we are we are from we are from different era you know? so maybe we just don't understand it but i just like this stuff didn't exist 10 years ago or 20 years ago 
Yeah. And people were busy, fine, and they were potentially earning more. And now we've got all of this entertainment. And people sort of complain about like running a busy social media channel and running a business and studying. It's like, scale it back. Like if you scale it back, the less there is, the easier it gets, you know, yeah. because everyone's guilty at the beginning of their career to take on as many opportunities as, as yeah. you guys spoke with Chase. Like, obviously, if everyone takes on too much, and I've been the king of taking too much for at least a decade, um, it has helped me to make meaningful, meaningful connections. But it has also nearly put me into mental hospital, you know, like it's just, yeah. it's just been too much. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think, I think that there is a, you can never convince, you know, you, you can take a horse to the water, but you can't convince it to drink. And I think this is a conversation starter. Like I, I, I'm, 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 I'm testing something new, hopefully for the benefit of current and future, you know, people in the industry that it's not meant to be easy. Creativity no. is not meant to be easy, but it's doable. I mean, it's it's basically it doesn't have to destroy you. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, if you wanted to be a car mechanic, you know, you've got to you've got so much to learn before you can be it. But like you said, it's like well, when people say to me, "What do you do?" The easiest thing for them to understand is I'm a graphic designer, because they kind of know, but then they don't really know because it's they just assume you sit and sit around on photoshop all day and it's really easy they don't realize your personnel you know your hr your accounts your marketing you're the business manager you're the sales manager and yeah the design is part of it but when you work for yourself it's so many more things so wearing all those hats you are kind of different personalities because going to a pitch meeting is so much different to designing, so much different to doing accounts. You know, it's tax time. It's January. Mm. I've got to submit my taxes for January. So I've got to sit and take a day off and do that. Um, I've got some email marketing stuff I've got to do. And I think you're right about the generational thing because I had, I was doing a video today for Sense Labs and it was a, an artist spotlight and there were some questions. and And it was kind of, you know, the first half of my life, was no computers and the second half of my life was computers if you took a, a 22 year old um self-appointed ceo of their bedroom um the, the, you know I run, I run my own creative studio yeah you're in a bedroom and you're calling yourself a ceo you're not really a ceo you've just called it that let's stick you in a delorean and drive you back 20 years you've got no so, no social media at all you've got no mm. youtube Email marketing is quite archaic. How would you run your business? And they'd they'd melt. But you think, but there are so many creatives from that time who are super super successful that managed to run a business. They didn't have to have be on a video pointing, you know, pop pop yeah. pop with all these, you know, being on social media all the time. They had to run a business. They had to work. They had to physically go to meetings. They had to mm. pick up a telephone and dial a number and have conversations. There was no Zoom. There was no um, maybe Skype, possibly. I don't know. But I, I mean, I think you you go like pre-Skype. I mean, this is this is the thing. I mean, I once when I used to live in in Southfields near Wimbledon, just bumped into this man walking his dog, and he transpired to be some famous illustrator from the fifties. You know, wow. like, and he was telling me like how he did work for Harrods and like for Gucci and stuff. I don't know who he was. I, and I like, he was telling me, I gave him my business guy, he was telling me the theory of the color. And like, he was the, it was the most 
treasured conversation I've, I've had maybe that year in that decade yeah it was just like he was telling me about this thing. i'm like and how did you get to know harris like how did you and you're like because we used to kind of we, we create this formula like it almost feels like the way you learn to drive i mean as we keep using the car analogy like yeah. let's say you imagine like the way you learn to drive a car you can almost imagine that you would drive from a shifter you would drive a automatic because i've learned to drive a shifter yeah and then that's that's the only way i know and then we sort of teach ourselves that what we pick up at the beginning that that's the method and that's what we're going with so i have been graphic designer creative director agency owner and my way of earning how i understand it is that someone comes and says hey i found you mm. can you do this for us when i'm now at the crossroads of my life and i want to change how i want to be earning and operating so far, I know only one way of the exchange, if that makes sense. I have created a publishing business, which is something different. But overall, like 90% of my time has been spent, my working life has been spent in that exchange. So if you, if you then change it so much that people only know the digital way where you can actually open your digital window and shout to the world what you think that is the right thing to say, then some of the methods can be unimaginable like just like how i just how i could not understand how the man god worked with gucci via harrods and stuff you know it's 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 yeah things were different things were different yeah. and they're always changing but i think what we're given what i think was the impression that we're given to people now is just that they're shortcuts there's shortcuts basically you need to be something which you can emulate like before you didn't know who was working for harrods and gucci in 1950s you could see like some of it and like i mean you have to buy a book and someone had to collect the work in the book and there was there was a lot less noise yeah and maybe a lot more clarity whereas now we've got so much noise and the filter has been taken off there's no one verifying this stuff you know if you spout some sort of fake news on twitter at least it says this is fake news. If you decide to record yourself for TikTok, spouting some utter nonsense about branding, you might have two million views. You know, like this is this is this is the thing. Like it's self, it's an unregulated, it's not even self-regulated, it's unregulated world. One hundred percent. Yeah, I totally agree with that because I've said that before. There's so much unregulated content, and there's a lot of naive people going into business very quickly without doing the right kind of research probably because they see the dream they see the all the videos of i'm going to show you how to make a passive income go to etsy look up a t-shirt this guy's selling this many thousands they, that means they've made two million uh what so all you need to do is this and people want to make this money quick they don't like you said they want to take the shortcuts they want to i when i see things like i'm going to show you how to earn ten thousand pounds a month why Show me how to earn two and a half thousand pound a month so that I can make it a living and let me let me earn that two and a half grand properly over a long period of time, not short and quick, not copying, not ripping off. And it makes me laugh with this whole AI thing at the moment. Um people going, Oh my god, AI is gonna take graphic design away from it, it's gonna do this. It's all it's already happening because there are so many people plagiarizing other people's work for the quick fix for the shortcut that mm. it they are it i know it's not ai but they're saying you know they're going taking all this work and making these new images well that's what people are doing they're looking at the people who are successful plagiarizing their work trying to change it slightly and and then make a quick buck off it 
not realizing there's so much more behind it and they'll burn out quick they'll fail quick and it's just a mentality now yeah i think there's there's a number of points that you mentioned firstly why is it always 10 grand like why is it not 12 and a half or 13 grand it's always like 10 grand this and 10 grand that like why um and also if you're earning all that money why do you bother making courses for fuck's sake you know like (laughs) it's just like enjoy your money you know just do some despicable things in your lamborghini and and just leave us alone like um it's just obviously it's 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 scavenging it's obviously it's 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 been it's been no vultures um but the thing about the best i mean people don't think of making a business i mean everyone can be naive and there's people not just from a creative industry that they think they can make a product like there was a like AI, then NFT, like in the world of business, people thought that CBD was the gold they can sell yeah. and everybody like making millions of CBD and before that something else and something else and something else. So this is just, I think, what I would call sort of mass hysteria, mass hysteria based on assumptions. Like people think that something smells good, they're going to chase it and they'll see you know, if there's, there's actually just nothing there. But um, the the AI stuff and and the NFT, I mean, why why so many people look like clowns from the nft world now is because one good review is not going to make a business and one bad review is not going to destroy a good business the problem is if there's no business if there's no framework if there's no something again we go back to meaningful connections Mm. it's it's too superficial like it was it was just like most of these things are too good to be true like the the nft was the greatest example of okay we potentially have a chance to earn through creativity, but you don't have a body of work. Like people literally, in my opinion, just turned their Instagram posts they were making for fun. All of a sudden, like they were fishing for, for Ethereum or whatever it's called. Like, okay, we're going to be rich tomorrow. And in fact, we're going to be rich in five minutes. And then you see the prices going down because you don't build up the body of work. I mean, of course, yeah. some big artists, I mean, of, I mean, I know Mike who's done, potentially most amazingly out of it and you wouldn't you wouldn't wish it on a nicer guy like mike is obviously amazing um people but then you see the gold diggers and it just felt disappointing because of course money smells good everyone wants to have money everyone wants to be financially independent but it was so transparent and so blatant that all of a sudden everyone was talking nfts everyone's like oh this is what we're gonna do and people who have spent time and care on building their portfolios, their name and their collections have done well. And the jokers didn't. And, you know, just like everybody else is thinking like, okay, we were planning to do something with the studio pre-craze and we focused on doing the work we had with the clients. Yeah. And we potentially earned the same because, and we didn't make a fool out of ourselves and we still have those clients and we've got that work. And it's, it's that temptation. It's that temptation of like, okay, what what can you do? And I think I can understand it if you if you do it once, if you do it for the first time, or if you like, because I, I'm very much from my personal experience, you go blindly into something because you don't know any better, and yeah. because that's what you want to do. You really want to do it so badly. You would like, I'm going to do graphic design for free all my life because I love it. <laughs> And then you realize if I t- want to turn into a business, I need to do a lot more than just love graphic design. Obviously, yeah. I need to turn into a business. And and that realization is in many books, is many like wherever you look on the internet, everyone will remind you that you've technically run a business. Not technically, you run a business, 
but you built it around something that you potentially enjoy, you love, is your expression, but also you mix in emotions, <laughs> expectations, <laughs> you know, energy, um, all of that stuff goes into that mix because builder goes on the building side, puts bricks together, puts in a toilet, whatever, plaster, huh? mm. job done. Is that more straight? Yeah, straight, perfect. No one's going to say, ah, oh, listen, Michael, should we... Um... Like, should we move it a couple of millimeters or should we put no, like, no, that's how it's been designed, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> whereas you can have a meltdown just because someone doesn't like the tone of the Pantone color that you've chosen, you know, like that. It's 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 how far we can go with that stuff, yeah. That whole feedback thing's really weird. There's a couple of things you just mentioned there, yeah. Uh, uh, and I've I struggle to have this conversation with creatives because I know people who went into the NFT world and I sit and when I see them talk about it, I I cringe. I crawl inside my own asshole because I want to get away from it. But there was a um, there was a video I saw once that I just thought was was uh, perfect. How it summed up what NFT was for me is you know I'm, I've got to be careful how I say it because there's a, I think it was a bus in India and all these people had climbed on top and hanging off the front and hanging off the sides and the guy pumped his brakes and nearly everyone tumbled off. <laughs> that to me summed up the NFT world. Everyone wanted to jump on the bus really quickly without knowing where it's going, who's driving it, what's going to happen to it. Is the bus safe? And then as soon as it pumped the brakes, yeah. everyone who kind of jumped on the band, literal bandwagon all fell off. And they didn't didn't know whether to get back on it again. And and I actually uh, said this guy I knew he was doing NFT. So I I saw one of these websites where they were selling them, and I logged on. I thought, oh, all right, let's go and have a look and see what this ridiculous world of not owning something but owning something is. And no kidding, I thought I'd gone back in time and entered MySpace, where you had all the animated gifts and the and no kidding, it's it was the shittiest art. I have ever seen in my life and then they were making 50 versions of shitty art and then trying to sell it like oh yeah but you own an nft but it's crap why would i want to own that digitally or otherwise i i don't need that in my life it's it's a it's a false economy um and it's something i i don't understand i don't want to understand i don't want anyone to try and convince me i need to understand it because i think it's a very very harmful space for creatives because again it comes back to people not putting the skill effort and personality in what they're creating they're just doing something to make a fast buck and have no sustainability they you know what they're going to do after it how they're going to invest their money um to, to me it just seems like a, a i don't know is it a snake oil uh, yeah, so, I think yeah, yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah, no, people I mean, have done I, well I, out I, of it. I, there's some good artists. People have done well out of it, and there's been some weird financial things gone on with that world. But it just, it just doesn't feel like a business. No, and I think it goes to. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm just like yourself. I know people who have done really well out of it, and people who continue being in that space. But those people were interested in the space well before the bull yeah. run and all of that stuff. Those people are genuinely interested in cryptocurrency, storytelling. It's just, as I say, if you haven't got the layers 
then it's just Emperor's New Clothes. And yes, some, yes. Some, somebody somebody posted this amazing tweet saying like, okay, so all the NFT people are now the AI people, you know, like everyone's about artificial intelligence. And what's interesting, obviously we don't want to be sort of shitting on everyone just because we can, but the tools, the AI tools somehow produce very identical results. Like, and especially, at least with the crypto stuff, like whoever labeled themselves as a crypto artist, you have level of like, okay, this is my style, this is this. Then the crypto art, like literally labeled crypto art, as you say, like Borat's MySpace website style, mm. uh, which is brilliant, by the way, brilliant memory of MySpace. <laughs> 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 you want to crash your life around like that? You want to see 25 gifts on a page? Yeah. <laughs> Come to my MySpace. <laughs> um, great memories. Um, yeah, I mean, this this is this is it. I mean, it comes, I guess, it comes with aging and I think it comes with more understanding and being a little bit more conservative about the quick knee-jerk reaction about, oh, shit, let's do it. Because everyone's tempted. Like, if you say, oh, shit, you can have a bigger house tomorrow because you're going to have a couple of gifts to sell. Um, yeah, great. But I saw somebody gave another tweet saying, like, oh, this picture, like, some random cartoon BS. It's like, oh yeah, this was once worth a Tesla. And I'm thinking, if that was a worth Tesla, then the world is very unfair because that's a piece of shit. I mean, like, <laughs> what is this? Like, that's a JPEG that even I can draw. Yeah. And how is that worth 80 grand or 100 grand? Like, this is this is why you could see some utter, utter nonsense. And it's like someone's bought it for half a million. Like, okay, well, well done for money laundering. But that just didn't make sense. Like, the whole thing was like a weird COVID haze dream that... What, what what that and it, it all comes back to building a sustainable business that will carry you through mm. the next 20 years or like we'll, we'll give you an idea how you can build on on your basics some other businesses like something that actually is rooted in the logical term because yes of course now we have books on nft but we have 100 years 200 years books on business because you know that's how it works and I mean, I think one of the most comical NFT situations where WWF, the World Wildlife Fund yeah. for Nature, decided to get into NFT space for one of a kind experiences by like they, I think they sort of got on some blockchain that was more environmentally friendly. Mm. They made a headline news that was just like, what are you doing? Everyone's talking about the negative effects on, on, on nature. So even those who you would think would make the right choice didn't make the right choice, you know, because it's just this mass hysteria and people, people do fact check. Some people fact check, but yes, yeah. you can read a headline go, Oh yeah. Pitchfork be going. And then you go, Oh, by the way, second line, we don't have to go anywhere. You know, it's, it's mass hysteria. And I think if you, if, if you, yeah, if, if you, if you're keen to pursue something really quickly, because that means to an end, then you're going to make a mistake. Yeah. And it is a generational thing. I know, you know, like my two daughters, they're teenagers. You hear those kids, you know, I want to be a gamer on Twitch. I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be an influencer. You know, imagine going back to your school careers teacher and, and then saying, what do you want to do when you grow up? Uh, I just want to play. Uh, I just want to make money from playing Scrabble. 
<laughs> you know, what do you mean make money from gaming so yeah people you know there are people online like mr beast who's made millions and gives millions away and there are people who have made a good living on youtube creating that content chasing that life a lot of them have fallen a lot of them have got too cocky made mistakes young in uh, young children see that and they've influenced far too easily i think it's dangerous for children to not look at an education and look for that fast buck. I want to be, I want to be that. What they don't realize is YouTube, uh, especially go back 10 years, how many creators were on YouTube versus how many creators today. So when someone's successful at it and there's a thousand people want to copy that blueprint, it, that world bloats and then it bloats again, it bloats again, mm. but the money isn't, expanding with it the the pot of money's getting smaller as more people are taking a bit out of it and yeah people do well out of it and like we said we're not just shitting on people just for the sake of shitting on people but there are elements of this part of, of these parts of the industry that are dangerous and harmful mentally because people are going all in thinking they're going to make that ten thousand pound a month because they saw this guru this guy selling a course um on youtube it's going to tell you oh, the secret the seven secrets and the the five stages to do this and then they sign up for these things and don't realize that it's applicable to that person um and another thing as well is when you see people saying you know i'm going to show you how to make passive income i'm going to show you how to go to etsy go go here go to amazon create these books they they can actually edit their, their their screen when they show oh here's my earnings you only have to write <laughs> you only have to right click and go into um look at the code and you can edit the code and make i could i could show you a screen in my bank account you know showing i've got a million pound in my bank oh yeah well make it 10 million to make it better you're yeah, right yeah. I, I never actually thought of that um but i mean you've got so many points in there i think the whole accessibility so in in the world of publishing especially self-publishing, the world is, uh, the, the words are that the gatekeepers have been removed. Mm. You can go, the, as I said, the, the filter is off, the lock is off, the door is open, anyone can publish anything, anytime. Yeah. Uh, anyone can produce any music and put it on Spotify and anywhere, anytime. You can have a podcast. I mean, you know, yeah. some people might be listening to this, like, come on, fellas, when you chat in. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, we are liberated. We we can do what we want to do, but it doesn't necessarily mean that people will give a toss to listen to it or to yeah. To, and and as you said, like that that tree of like <clears throat> where the money is or where in the monetization, like how many views and clicks can you have? I mean, that's the, I mean, it was. I remember listening to a, a talk by Matthew Herbert twelve years ago when he said that seventy percent of music on iTunes was never purchased. 70% and that was 10 well that was a decade at least like you know and yeah. that was iTunes because you can put any album like especially for a label and stuff the the ratio of what what is consumed to what is available is incredible I think even think of fonts you know we get like yeah you have to have literally have to like be fonts mastermind to go in like what's the difference between this knockoff of circular and this knockoff of circular and this da, 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 because it's just anyone can make a font and that, rightfully they potentially should but they're not necessarily mean they should do it all the time like the, the the filter of uh, again that's a conversation of its own like just to sort of you know self-filtering and self self regulating yeah so when people see that someone's made it it's great it can it can be encouraged but again what's their definition 
And you might like this analogy. I found this. It's coming out in my newsletter uh, in next week. Um, it's uh, John Mayer's clinic for Berkeley College of Music. Yeah. When he talks about defining expectations. And this is uh, a talk from 2008. Love it. It's about him. And obviously John Mayer come across yeah. a bit. Like he's just, he's one of the most philosophically unusual people in music you would potentially expect for a man of his, um, what's, this, what's the word, um, reputation. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I love everything he says. It's, it's great. And he was talking about defining expectations. And he said, in that case, if you want to be a, a pop artist, you've got four minutes to make a case. You know, Get to the chorus quickly. You know, like you've got that many notes. You've got, you've got a small bridge, you've got a small solo. How many albums do you expect to sell? Like, you know, what's a success? Define your success. Define this. And that's that's a kind of like a business plan. Or like a, I mean, yeah. like a person, personal plan, personal manifesto. But the the definition of expectations is like how many likes or how many followers will I get? And it's a bit like a weight loss with no um bathroom scales. <laughs> like you, you just like you, you just don't know where you're going unless you've got a plan like okay i'm gonna get into those jeans or i'm gonna do this or i'm gonna run as fast but if you if you haven't got a track or if you haven't said i'm gonna run that split in 430 or something whatever like if you haven't got that that measurement you're like you're just endless you endless 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 because people are like well i'm you know it's, it's nice to get likes and obviously because of the controversy like the engines have sort of changed how they do likes and dislikes and stuff but there's never enough likes on a post. There's never enough followers. There's never, like, you don't complete <laughs> the followers. You don't yeah. get, like, the daily allowance of likes. And I think because we haven't done it to ourselves as a, a sort of active measure of our careers, it's dangerous. It's yeah. dangerous. And I've been selling books fairly successfully for the last nearly seven years now, and i I had to teach myself how to build those frameworks and how to define my expectations. And my expectations is that if I print 10,000 books, I sell 10,000 books. That's that's my expectations. I mean, go again. Like, we'll end up print more, you know, titles and work on more. But there is a certain, def, like, a preset journey or, like, journey I've defined to myself that, you know, I make it to about 10 books and then I've already got other businesses planned and we'll see how it goes. I've got publishing business. I should be publishing other people's books as well. And yeah. But I, I, I know what I'm defined, but because the ticker, because I've got quite clever and found the right way of advertising my books, <clears throat> my books have been bestseller for the best part of seven years. I was going to say that that's, really well. That's very addictive because you go, well, why I'm not number one for the 15th week running, you know, because it's, because no one's a number one forever, but it's nice. just like making and learning how how to not only do it, but how to understand it and how to expect the next chapter. Because Michael Jackson was no longer king of pop, <laughs> yeah. you know. Whitney Houston was a number one for you know for forever, and and it's just like that that career journey that you realize there's other things to worry about. There's other things that are more real than just a number. You know, there's 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 you know, I've had in some incredibly successful years with the books where I should have given up my studio career and just focus on the books. And I did the other opposite things. Now I'm sort of bringing the books back up. And obviously, you know, when you stop the engine, obviously you have to restart yeah. it and you know, put it in a second gear and push it down a hill. But it's, you know, I, I, I could potentially 
be looking at it as a, as a, as a failure. I could be looking at this like, oh, well, you know, it should always be 100 and it's not 100. You know, it always should be number one. It's number one. It's number one. But the thing is, that's where the exciting stuff happens because when it gets easy, you go, fuck, whatever, Bahamas, you know? Yeah. But when it's not Bahamas, you're like, oh, shit, I've got another problem to solve. It gives me gives me dopamine, like, just to, to get the brain in the gear. And I've been, as I said, I've been working on the new releases for the last nine months and I've been stuck. For the last nine months you know i mean i've been i've been finding ways of how to get unstuck because technically i'm an author i yeah. can call myself a best-selling author but i don't write every day you know yeah i was a i'm a designer who designs every day but i'm not an author so it's just you know if you if you don't write songs every day do you still be a songwriter you know yeah that's the thing it's just like and the thing is it's just not to worry too much because there's a certain part of your career where I remember asking Seb Lester in an interview where we used to have a, a blog and I said, Seb, so what do you do when you get to the creative blog? And he's like, I don't get one. I'm a typographer. I make typography, you know, like, <laughs> and through the years when I've thought about my process and thought about my philosophy and put the framework, which is I think the key word today is like, when I put the, the, the method in place, I stopped getting creative blocks. It yeah. was more like, we've got five options. We can look at one, we can look at two. What do we do? And you narrow it down, you filter it down, and you produce the thing that you should be doing. So it's more about entertaining the ideas and, and, and go to one, on like the best sort of the, the funnel of output, rather than going, I think this could be my best piece of work. I think this could be my best client work. You know, like we 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 feel that the, the work should be about us. Like we're making this, it should be about us. Whereas it's, it's an exchange of currency, an exchange for service. You know, like we we try to attach ourselves too much, and we, you know, all guilty of sending newsletters going, look at my work, and look at my clients, and look at this, and people say, I don't give a shit, carry yeah. on. You know, and it's it's and it's an interesting change because I've been working on this new plan for the last few months, and I've started putting it out there. I've, I've been sitting in my database, mailing database for. I mean, I've been doing it. I've been building it since 20, 2007. Mm. So there's tens of thousands of people that I don't often very speak to. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> what a crazy sentence. I don't know where to speak to these people. Yeah. And I've started doing sort of reveal of the content from my books, just sharing the book, podcast, article, playlist, the kind of stuff. It had like 38% open rate, like okay. as opposed to 16 or something like most click through like it's just and people were like this is amazing thank you so much because i'm like it's selfless i'm trying to give back hopefully not into crazy self-help guru guy you know like no this is another talk about you know anxiety or whatever but it's it's sharing what i feel we should know rather than oh look isn't it amazing that we did work for you know the biggest ice cream brand in the world for the last two years like no one cares about that you know but yeah but it's, it's uk something is something like the clients you've worked for you've you didn't just get it overnight you worked you've had a body of work you know the the, the saying about the books for me it's not a case of whether your book was number one it was the fact that your book was listed in tw on 20 websites in of 20 books every graphic designer should own and and i say okay i know him <laughs> it's like i was reading so i know him i've met him yeah. um and then when you see your body of work, like how many people that's helping, you didn't just print the book to make, to make money. Your books are super 
useful. They're well made. They're beautiful. The graphics in them, it's beautifully laid out. It's, you know, it, it's a it's a pleasure to have it on the bookshelf, both of them. And I said, I'm going to order the third one tonight because I keep I kept meaning to get volume three. And um, thank you. And um, I'll tell you what, they smell great. Your books smell great. Yeah, you, you're either a lover or a hater. I, mean, I love, I, I, I love I, the I, paper you print on. I've had some two-star reviews because girlfriends of some some designers didn't like the smell. Disgusting, oh. they said. You know, like, but <laughs> this is it. I mean, you can't please everyone. I think this is this is this is the world that we make make ourselves believe that we should be pleasing everyone, and and it's and it's and it's and it's a and it's a, a bitter pill to swallow when you realise that you won't. You know, like I had to literally read an article how to deal with one-star review. It was like that was a new sensation to me. Like. The review was correct. <laughs> I mean, the first book of the, the volume, the, the secret is the book of ideas, volume one. Yeah. There's six different versions of that book. Oh, right. <laughs> there's six different versions. So it's been printed six times and no two versions are the same because I fucked up. There was mistakes and, and right. luckily I printed it. So there's, there, it just got slight iteration and then I, I did a second volume and I, because it's been reprinted six times because that book's done particularly well. So there's a slight differences. I don't tell everyone that as in like, you know, you can collect them all, but I had the chance and I'm grateful that people didn't shoot me down going, well, your printer's fucked up. Or why did you yeah. put text across the spine? Why did you do this? Like oh, across the gutter. So we go and we learn and I have chosen to learn some of this stuff in the public, public realm, you know, yeah. but there is, when it's good, it's amazing. And when it's struggled, we think, well, that's unfair, but that's yeah. just a part of it. And going back to the tip of our conversation, like the, the therapy that I've had was, you know, um, cognitive behavioral therapy. I've had me and my wife had to get and get marriage counseling and, in that I've learned much, so much more about myself, which also affected my work. You know, then I went into like um, like anxiety coaching because I wanted to explore it. I've done equine therapy, and you know, you find yourself crying in, in someone else's yard, standing in the paddock with a horse. I'm like, I mean, what is my life about? You know, <laughs> but it's a cleanser. It's a cleanser. For, I mean, and obviously, it's a fantastic uh, stuff for my books. And you know, as literally in Mindful Creative, there's a whole section on therapy just encouraging people to go into therapy and, and and talking about it because as one of the therapists said people come here because they don't want to feel bad we mm. want to avoid feeling bad but they come they what they come out with from here is that they learn how to feel how to manage feeling bad you know because yes. we feel like when i was when i was working on my anxiety i was like we're gonna cut this out yeah this is gonna i, I won't ever feel that again i'm like 10 sessions later and some thousand pounds later, she's like, no, you always feel like anxious. It's just how you deal with it. And I'm like, yeah. oh, get out of here. Like what? You could have told me in a lesson, like session one and I would have like never come back. But it's it's that realization that, you know, there's, there's always two sides of every coin. It's just like, you know, the careers that we choose can be really exciting, but you cannot replace literally the hundreds of years of how the world has been evolving and how it's been built and how it operates just because something new has come in, you know, that, that, that whole sort of gang ho hooray Henry kind of not hooray Henry, but gang ho sort of approach to like, Oh yeah, this is the new fad. It's going to last. 
It won't. You know, the, the the internet didn't kill a book. Kindle didn't kill a book. You know, we are we are changing our habits, like podcasts influences how we consume, you know, the, the information through our ears. But, you know, it still hasn't killed the books. You know, Prince Harry sold, what, 400,000 copies in one day of a physical copy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we always feel like, Okay, so this thing that's been around in the sort of in the history of of a hum, humanity for like two seconds, not even that microseconds, gonna kill the history of publishing has been going for a thousand years. That's yeah. not gonna happen. You yeah. know, like we're just getting better at using some of these ideas into the traditional stuff because it speaks to our senses. And yeah, it, it's it it can be, and I'm guilty of saying some absolutely atrocious stuff in my past, you know, but we think that something made us feel something and we can't compare it from through our knowledge towards being before us or in the past or from our knowledge so we make our assumptions so i'm kind of playing the devil's advocate to everyone who got into nft and ai but it's yeah it, it's it's honest business is the one that will get anyone the furthest so yeah. that's 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 just the part of it and and it's, it can feel in the world of sort of online metrics and <laughs> doctored bank accounts bank accounts that like it can feel like you're losing but we are all again going back to the top of our conversation we are the run only running horse in our own race like yes. this is this yeah. is our life living you know this this is this is what we've got and it takes fucking long time to go you know what i'm on my own this is fine i'm running my own race it doesn't matter oh, you've made millions in nfts enjoy great yeah. this is my race yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah i'm happy to go home at four o'clock and see my kids and this is the life i live until you know my last breath but that's, this that's is it. It, 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 it can be so tempting to subscribe to the wrong metrics it can be so tempting and until you read i mean because everyone's going to go through that phase and we'll be repeating this message over and over and over again because everyone has to find a hard way. Like I can tell you about it. You can say yes. I mean, not necessarily you, because you've got to work that now. But if I tell it to a 20-year-old designer, I say the numbers won't matter. Focus on quality, focus on connection. They're gonna worry about the numbers at some point. Because they're yeah. like, but the numbers, his numbers. I'm like, don't worry about the numbers, just carry on, carry on, you know? Yeah. And it's 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 yeah, I mean, that that's I'm hoping that the books will do the job that I'm I'm trying to put out there, that spending the whole book about how not to kill yourself by running this thing. You no, know? it's 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 I mean, there's 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 these these exercises of like how to be okay. How to yeah. be okay when you're not okay, how to be okay when things go hard. And I found myself initially I wanted to write it like a sort of stand-up comedy. And the more I was writing, I was like, fuck, this is bleak. This is dark. Like, you know, all the like the memories of 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 arguing with clients and just just being inexperienced and just being in situations where people don't commission the work properly. You know, you go like, it's really hard running this creative business, you know, and 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 you can be anyone, you can be YouTube creator, you can be also, you can be 3D designer, like you know, everyone's got their struggle, but we, we hide it behind that sort of internet persona. Yeah. So to remind people that it's okay <laughs> to not be okay, hopefully it will work. So when when are the, both the books due out? When When's your plan to have they them available? Due, they are due, they're already on Amazon for pre-order, but don't pre-order them just yet. Um, 23rd of May, 
23. So, yeah. Five months. Just five months, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're currently, I mean, this is my dummy copy, so they're empty yeah. on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, again, the beautiful part of like, I guess, I guess I know you connected some well-known musicians. Um, I think, I think if there was one sentence or one quote that I can, can summarize the whole creative journey for helping everyone is that it's a quote by Chris Cornell and it's, he was saying that he thought if he was being the best musician, he could be the best band in the world will come and beg him to play with the band. And Bono didn't come knocking on the door or whatever. And yeah, they had to invent their own dream band. They had to invent their own dream band and they did what they did. When you think of their career, like Super Unknown came 10 years of their, after 10 years of their existence. And, you know, it just got better. And sadly, sort of then it stopped. But, you know, the career peak, like, the, you know, that 10 year chunk was how they got amazing, how they connected, how they got the right um, recognition. And I feel with the creative, with the publishing business, it's like this is going to be seven years. So it'd be six books in seven years. So, I'm, I can't really call myself lazy, <laughs> <laughs> but um, even though I feel like if I'm not creating, I, I still feel I still struggle with that. Like I should be should be making stuff, but I'm I'm making that sort of that the decade long plan that it should be really good within ten years. You know, I made mistakes. We're fixing them. We're making things. We're learning. We're improving. And I'll be in charge of. I can I can make this whatever I want. You know, it's gonna this is gonna be a neon printed in neon colors. It's gonna be again, I'm trying to change the perception of what it could be. I'm I'm inventing my dream books. And I think yeah, that's great. this is this is this is why I believe that the non-filter when used wisely is the stuff of dreams because no one's telling me to publish this. <laughs> no one's making me to move my fingers for five thousand words a day, but this is what I want to do because I didn't know this was possible and now I've got it. I'm so grateful because this is something that really speaks to my heart. So it's, yeah, if I can make one person, you know, read it and go, thank you, I might not make the same mistakes, then we might be okay, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, it must be therapeutic for you to kind of pour out all this stuff that's been building up and get it into a book knowing that, because that's what I think is good about making mistakes is you know and we all we all do it we all we all fuck up at some point mm. i think it's how how you how you um interpret your mistake but sharing that mistake i think we're a lot more vulnerable now you know before you know men don't cry men don't hug men don't share um and now you know it's completely the opposite and i think i i have more respect for somebody who shares advice with me because they've been through it and it's relative to me then i mean why the one thing the one example i give to people when i talk to fans of this particular person is i would rather take advice from someone you don't know that i know that has lived through something that can that i can relate to than a man sat in the back of a uh a limo with his driver being driven to the airport to go and do a talk in Dubai for quarter of a million dollars, but sit there on a video, an impromptu video, and tell me that I shouldn't care about the money. 
Gary V. <laughs> Gary V. Yeah, you know, no, it's, it's it's I. There are people who give good advice, and he does give good advice, and he, and he does get on top of things sometimes. He does get it right, but I need someone who I can relate to, and I can't relate to a multimillionaire telling me not to worry about things that he doesn't have to worry about anymore. Even if he did 10, 15 years ago, he yeah. doesn't now. So I like it when I'll sit and read a blog post or an email newsletter or watch a YouTube video of somebody I can kind of relate to who's who's sharing an experience where they're showing the good and the bad and the ugly rather than just keep going. Look at me. I'm super successful. I just hit one million subscribers. I, you know, the, the metrics they use for for, for that um, success and, you know, and you can get this, too. No, not everyone can get it. Not everyone can achieve that but we can achieve like you said yeah. we, we can achieve our own level of greatness by setting ourselves a, a kind of line to follow if like if we can keep if we can keep on this line or above we're okay if we dip below it understand why and how we come out of it the other side but if we just see Absolutely. only success and only failure and nothing in between our heads are going to be messed oh absolutely and when you think of it like we've got we've got failure porn and success porn like none of it is real like everyone's like too obsessed with the failure and everyone's too obsessed with the success and and it's i mean why would people watch gary v <laughs> on a because it's it's this i mean it's i mean attention in my in my in my actually in my um newsletter tomorrow uh, I've got uh, a talk about, um, it's not my talk, it's a TED talk about how craving for attention makes us less creative. Yeah. Like how we like, I think there's this analogy about pigeons, you know, like if, if you know the food's coming, you, you check on a few, few times, if you remove the food, you're like, oh, is it coming? Is it coming? Is it coming? You're basically like, what's the new content on my, yeah. you know? I mean, uh, and, and I think is that battle against attention engineers that you're losing now if, if, if you allow yourself you can lose it so easily you just you check your phone all the time and i've got i've had i've deleted everything like all the apps of my phone so i can only get to twitter through browser right. or instagram through browser so i don't have the apps and sometimes especially if like tories are being a-holes you're like oh i'm gonna check the twitter and you're like you buy into the drama like you know the soap opera is going strong you're like I should be writing. I should be doing something more worthwhile. But you know, I'm satisfying that pigeon brain going, oh, well, what's there? What's there? What I need to need more. But yeah. it's 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 making yourself realize that the world will keep rolling if you don't check it. You know, like it's okay yeah. to live your own story. So well, listen, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. I've really enjoyed this chat. Um, obviously, I'll put the links to your books in the show notes, and, and I really do recommend people get hold of them. And also, good luck, good luck with the launch of the two new books as well. Be looking out for those. But, um, yeah, in the meantime, thanks for being a great guest. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I mean, what an amazing conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. That was great, mate, and uh, and we'll definitely chat soon. So thank you very much. and. Uh, yeah, good luck with the book and we'll chat soon, mate. See you later. Yeah, anytime. Nice one.